Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to today's edition of Calvary Live. My name is Ed Taylor, coming to you live from the studios here at Grace FM in Aurora, Colorado, part of the Grace FM radio network. For Calvary Live, we have the privilege of partnering with Hope FM. A shout out to you guys at Hope FM and Truth FM. I know we're on Refuge FM and so many other stations around the country. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Uh, any station other than Grace FM, it's always a good reminder uh, that you're hearing it with one week delay, uh, which is no big deal. Anytime you hear the show, uh, listen in. You can call in while the show is in, while the show is on, I should say. And we'll answer your question live. You'll get to hear it in your in your local home, um, your local station, the following week, which is kind of cool. Um, and you know, we we don't have the equipment. Um, not we could get it super expensive, but we don't have the equipment to run it directly live. It just makes it easier this way. So we are glad that you joined us. My name is Ed Taylor. I happen to be the pastor here at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. Uh, and uh, we get to be a part of your life and um, encouraged and just seeing what the Lord is doing uh, among us. So give me a call. you got wide open lines. Don't matter where you are. You could be near or far. I would love to hear from you. We are back tonight. We're finishing up the book of Daniel. I think any pastor teaching through the Bible, well, I don't know any pastor, but uh, I have to teach I don't have to. Let me start all over. I get to teach a Bible study tonight where I have to go back, so that I do have to do, and teach a study that was accidentally skipped. So we finished the book of Daniel with the exception of this section because I had taken a group to Israel earlier this year. Uh, My assistant was away, so I was taking care of things myself. I had prepared ahead of time got my study done, got it prepared, got it highlighted, formatted for my iPad. I deposited it in my folder so that all I needed to do when I got back fighting jet lag was open up my iPad, review the study, pray over it, deliver it. But what did I do? I forgot that I had prepared that study. So I went to my computer And I looked up the last study available, and I started working on that one and polishing it up and preparing it, and I delivered that message. Then the following week, I delivered a next message, and on and on and on, and I skipped a section in chapter 8, not on purpose, but somebody, one of the brothers, pastors, caught it, and I'm like, oh, man. And so we're going to go back, and it's great. It's actually on the topic of prophecy. It's a great study. I, it's, I mean, I hope I, it's great on paper. I hope when I deliver it, the Holy Spirit uses it. And uh, we're going to be doing that. Then we're going to finish our study. Check this out. Then we're going to do Q&A next week. So we're going to have a special time of Q&A, and we're working on something. We're going to try something new next week, so we'll see how that goes. 
So we'll have a Q&A live on our services with people in the room live on the radio. And then uh, the following week, we have a guest, uh, Pastor Bob Claycamp. He's going to be teaching. Then we should be starting a brand new book of the Bible on our Wednesday night Bible study. We're going to be going through the books of First and Second Peter, a very appropriate uh, passage that will be, uh, you know, that that will be um, uh, very relevant to the scattered believers. Check this out. Just just consider, and, and and if you've never studied a book of the Bible verse by verse, now's your chance. Uh, and let me see here. My oh, it's still opening. So give me a call. I see somebody waiting. So give me a call. 303-690-3000. Um, and let me see here. Let me get some things open here. Once again, on a Wednesday, I walked in right before the show started. Uh, Frank prayed, and I didn't have everything open. Uh, so thank you for your uh, patience. I know that uh, um, I'm talking out loud as I'm getting things ready. Uh, so, you know, uh, let the uh, appreciate your patience as the Lord is so faithful. And so good. And uh, while we're talking, it's always a good time to call me. So uh, give me a call. 303-690-3000. So we were talking about uh, the book of First Peter. And the book of First Peter is... A pretty cool opening, and here is what it says. I'm going to read to you from the New Living Translation, because that's what we use on Wednesday nights. It says, This is a letter from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners. Isn't that great? Living as foreigners in the provinces of Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia. Uh, in the King, in the New King James, it speaks of. Oh, I have the wrong passage. Sorry, it speaks of this letter, uh, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to the pilgrims, to the pilgrims, to the foreigners, and they were suffering greatly. You remember, Nero had set Rome on fire, and he blamed the Christians. And this was written, some estimate, one year after that, right as the beginning of the persecution came. And isn't it interesting that in the time that we live right now, that Christians, gatherings on the beach of believers, church services, our own Supreme Court declared that gambling in the casinos in Las Vegas with 50% of their million square foot buildings, 50% occupancy is no threat to society. I mean, these, these casinos, they have hundreds of thousands of square feet of gambling space. And as many people as you can get on the floor, fit up to 50% capacity, no threat to the world, the virus doesn't spread in casinos, no threat. But for goodness sake, don't have one, don't have 51 people 
believers, Christians who follow the rules, who love the Lord, take care of each other, that are wise if they're feeling ill or they're having symptoms, will stay away, go stay home. Don't you dare let one more than 50 people, or in our state, 175. It's the Christians' fault. And articles are already coming out blaming the Christians for the spread of the virus. It's not the not the massive amounts of people gathering both to protest legally and riot illegally. Oh no, no, no. Those aren't they don't spread the the virus doesn't spread there, but it spreads in churches. Listen, that's nothing new. And it was much worse in the first century. And we're going to be studying First Peter. And we're not going to we're going to let the Holy Spirit, we're not going to let culture dictate how we teach the Bible, but we're going to let the Bible teach about culture. And that's how we have to be careful. We get so caught up in today. Oh, I can't believe it. Okay, well, let's step back a second and let the Bible speak to the current culture, which we did this weekend. Uh, the message came out a little sterner than I expected, but the Holy Spirit wanted a word of exhor- exhortation for parents. And I guess if I was renaming the message this weekend, it was, we will not give our kids to Egypt. Of course, we were in a by faith series but we will not, we, and I begged our church and anyone listening, don't give your kids to Egypt, and Egypt representing the world. And we were studying Moses' parents, Amram and Jochebed, in Hebrews 11. And then there was a piece there, because of the midwives, about civil disobedience, because there's a higher authority. I would encourage you, get the study, get to, go to our, our free app and download the study Moses' parents. Just search for that. All right, thank you for waiting. We have full lines. Uh, we're going to go right to Fort Collins, Colorado. Margaret's been waiting. Margaret, welcome to the program. Thank you so much. You're welcome. I have, I have a question <clears throat> about... Um, hold on. Okay, it's in Second uh, Samuel Yes. 24, where David, uh, it says... Again, the anger of the Lord was aroused against Israel, and he moved David against them to say, Go number Israel and Judah. Well, um, it sounds to me like this is something the Lord ordered David to do, but then he was judged and and said, and uh, counted as a sin against him. And I don't understand that. It is a troubling passage because uh, in one place it speaks of of David doing it, and in another place it speaks of God instructing him to do it. And so the conclusion that I've drawn from that is not that David did it because he obeyed God, he wasn't being punished for obeying God, but it has to be the way he did it. It has to be something that God saw in his motive of, you know, the parallel passage for this is First Chronicles chapter 21. And we oh, know okay. there was nothing illegal about a national counting of people, you know, according to Exodus 30. God counted the people all the time. Right. And there's a census, and, you know, there's a whole, there's a whole book in the Bible called Numbers uh, that has everything to do with making sure that the people are accounted for. Uh, and there was a count, there was an accounting of the people because a half shekel was collected at that time uh, because of the census to take care of the temple. But that's not what David did. David required requested a military census to see how big his armies was. And so when I taught through this section of the Bible, uh, as we go through verse by verse, I asserted, 
and suggested that what David was being judged for was his pride, because not even Joab there was against this particular counting. Uh, and, and so we see the decision of the Lord, uh, or excuse me, the decision of David angered God, uh, but, that, but the way he did it and the motive behind it displeased the Lord, and that's what he paid the price for. <clears throat> okay. So uh, when, he, when he said, go number Israel and Judah, he didn't mean specifically the military Correct. Census. Oh, okay. And you know, it, it, there's a broader. There's actually even a broader scope to this, and that is sometimes God's judgment in our life is His. He He He's simply allowing us to have our own way. Remember that Psalm when it said in Psalm 106:15, it says, "And He gave them their request, but sent leanness into their souls." And there might even be something deeper here than just a military sense of, you know, don't trust in horses, don't trust in chariots, but trust in the name of the Lord. Well, there might even be something deeper than just simply a pride here, and that is, Mm -hmm. not only was David counting in a military way in which Joab didn't even want him to do, but he was, it could have been an indication of David drawing his confidence not from the Lord, but from the strength of his military, which has been a mistake our country's made for 200 plus years where we're not trusting in the Lord, we're trusting in our military might, our military budget, and maybe David is dealing with something like that there. But the Bible doesn't say specifically, but I think we can draw back looking at various passages. That's the conclusion that I would fall on. It must have been because David was so um, regretted what he did. Oh, yeah. So um, I thank you for this answer. It clears up a lot. Well, that's a great question. Thanks for asking and calling. Thank you. God bless. God bless you. Okay, bye-bye. 303-690-3000 is the number. Open line. Text me, 720-336-0897. If we have time, we will get to, uh, we will get to there. Hey, by the way, we want to shout out everyone listening in Kentucky, North Carolina, and Tennessee. That's a really lame, lame uh, accent. I am from Southern California. Born and raised until I moved to Colorado. I don't have a southern access accent. All right, up to Erie, Colorado. Liz, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. Hi. I just I just had a question. Um, when when people go to church and they have um, the pastors lay hands or anoint them with oil, yes. Can you tell me with the his like? Because I've done where I've anointed, like, my house, my windows before with oil, and I started to think about it because my friend is sick, and we t- I said we should do that to you because she's been suffering. But I don't know if there is, like, um, a proper way, if there is, if that's only something a pastor's supposed to do. Okay, I can answer that question very quickly, and that is no. It's not something only a pastor can do. Uh, according to the Bible, in the New Covenant, we're all priests uh, unto That's the Lord. We're all in that place of having spiritual authority that's been entrusted to us by God. And so for the anointing of oil, you know, it's a symbolic presence of the Holy Spirit. You know, anointing okay. in, of oil. Uh, in the Old Testament, they would pour oil. They would sprinkle oil over the tabernacle and its furnishings to mark them as holy. Um, in the New Testament, we have oil being used as an anointing for the sick, that they're to call for the elders. There's nothing special in the scriptures 
that indicate any kind of oil or some specific oil has any more power, but rather it's a tool in prayer. And, uh, mm. and it is something that we, that sometimes for a person, I think for a, for a prayer of faith, I mean, for the prayer of faith in terms of healing, sometimes it becomes a point of, of, of action, you know, a point of faith, a point that, man, I, be- I, I believe the scriptures, so I'm going to obey them. And then when a person feels the oil being anointed on their forehead or on their hand or wherever it's being anointed, it's almost like a point of contact where people can exercise even greater faith because they're, they're not only seeing something, they're not only hearing something, they're not only believing something, they're also feeling something, and God is just there with them. But there's nothing special about the oil or the anointing of oil um, that you're basically praying. If you anoint a house, you're basically just praying over the house. That's what you're doing. Right, right. But the oil kind of becomes symbolic, right? You're touching this, you're touching that. Um, you are, um, it, it's cool, but. Okay. I was just curious. Cause I, I, I kind of thought that because I knew that in the, we're, we're, we're called priests and we're holy and set apart. So I didn't think that it was, but then I thought I should ask because I, I told my friend, you know, cause she's been suffering and it's more yeah. that I want to pray for her. Sure. But I was just I was just curious about that. And by the way, I know you from Downey Calvary. No way. When were you there? Yeah. I, I was your Sunday school teacher for your son. <laughs> uh which which son? My oldest or, or Josh? Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Oh, so you yeah. we've already met. You I remember you. We've already met. Yep. I got yep. it, Liz. I let me let me wrap my mind around uh, <laughs> it's been a long day, so I ran right into the studio, but I know exactly who you are. Thank you for reminding me of that. And thank you. You were one of the best teachers that Eddie ever loved. Oh, that just blessed my day. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank, thank you. you. Bye-bye. You have a good one. All Bye-bye. Right. Hey, it reminds me a shout-out to all the Sunday school teachers ministering to kids. Um, you are doing a great work, and you just don't know. I shared this weekend, if you were with us, that as parents we have one job. That's get to, to get our kids to heaven. I also share with you that we're not the primary disciplers uh, of your family, uh, but we're here to help you. And Liz, uh, being one of the sweet sisters that taught Sunday school at Calvary Downey, um, she played a big part and a big role. In you know, back then Marie and I were new believers. Uh, we were just trying to figure out it, figure everything out on our own. We got this little kid. We had brand new believers trying. And to have Sunday school teachers like Liz, uh, he, he had also had a Sunday school teacher uh, named Bear. Uh, what a brother. Oh, man, I miss Bear so much. I love that guy. Uh, he and his wife are both in the presence of the Lord right now. But your heritage, the heritage of your uh, pouring into kids will last for eternity. I promise you. Yes, yes, yes. I promise you. Uh, so thank you. And that Liz, that, that encouraged me today that you would remind me of the care and concern you poured into our boy, because he's in the presence of the Lord right now, too. Uh, we were all able as a team to lead that boy in the Lord. And on top of that, Eddie was baptized at camp without telling his mom and dad. We didn't get to be a part of it. He came home baptized. And we're like, what? And all these stories are flowing through. He also was at camp and had a boo-boo, fell down, and Pastor Chuck 
rendered first aid and put a Band-Aid on his knee. And Eddie remembered that the rest of his life. So Eddie and Chuck are in heaven together. 303-690-3000. John in Pennsylvania, welcome to the program. Hey, thank you, Pastor. I just want to ask uh, for everyone's prayers for the Christians in India, orphanages, for the churches, the Christian families. You know, India is in third place by number of COVID cases. Yes. And uh, they don't have uh, safety nets like that we have here, like uh, federal government fundings, PPPs, and uh, stimulus checks. Correct. So I would uh, ask uh, uh, everyone uh, to pray for uh, God's people in India. Yeah, let's do that. And I want to let you know that uh, here at Calvary Church, we have supported a brother named Guna, who's ministering in uh, in in India. He, he does a lot of work with the uh, poorest of the poor there. I'm trying to look for the um, look for the email that was sent to us, uh, but we were able to send uh, quite a bit of resources to him recently, but I wanted to let you know what he did um, because our hearts are knit together with, with India and what God is doing um, there, but I can't find the email um, well, I can I can give you the update email. The update email was, I'm writing to ce- celebrate God's faithfulness. On Monday, our team shared an urgent request about the needs of, of our family in India. Uh, Guna, share with us, there's 170 Christian families in dire situations due to COVID. They don't have enough food. They don't have hot water to survive this season. And it's, within, it's with joy, the email tells us, uh, that because of an incredible group of donors, uh, within 24 hours, the um, need was met, uh, and with only three days after our initial email, um, we reached above our goal, and so we were able to send resources directly to COVID relief. So um, my heart's together with you, brother. Um, we have um, It's been hard to find places to support in, in India because you don't know where the money goes. Uh, but with Guna, we know him personally, uh, and God has done a great work with him, and he's we've, we've supported him for many, many years, and we've actually sent t- um, ministry teams to come and encourage him, and um, great, great stuff going, but very, very hard. Um, and so thanks for calling uh, and asking for prayer. So let's do that. Father, we do pray for the ministry uh, men and women in, in India to meet the urgent needs of so many that have been hurt by the COVID crisis, Lord, and there is no safety net, there is no welfare, there is no PPE loans or or any of that, Lord, and they're left to be on their own, but you haven't left them alone. Yeah. You brought, God, men and women that have a caring concern for their, for their lives and for their well-being. And so along with Guna, Lord, I pray for the men and women that are placing their lives on the line to help meet the physical, practical, and spiritual needs of the people of India. Why? In order to bring about an open door to share the gospel and encourage them to surrender their lives to you. So I do pray for Guna. We know him. We know um, 170 families. And we know that's not even a drop in the bucket for India, but it is, Lord, because it's your faithfulness through one man Mm -hmm. who can serve 170. So may you multiply the ministry flowing into India. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. Thank you, Pastor. Uh, email me, and I will. I found the email. I'll forward it to you if you want to just connect and be updated on what Guna is doing. He's a he's actually a missionary out of Calvary Chapel in Boise, and um, God has been using him in an amazing way. Him and his wife. Her and his but wife is Victoria. Give me your email, and I will uh, get in touch with you. Okay, uh, my email is Ed mm-hmm. at edtaylor.org ed at edtaylor.org make sure it's .org okay sure I will thank you pastor All right, bye bye yeah please continue to pray thank you bye 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 Uh, let's see here I want to see if this is the email I don't think this is um, HIV families Um, the Okay, so here's what Calvary Chapel is serving around 3,000 HIV-infected families in India, out of which 250 HIV families are believers and regular worshipers. The remaining families are silent believers who do not have the courage to openly profess the Christian faith. With our ministry experience, we've observed that usually the HIV-infected families take a long time to gather faith and openly accept the love of Christ. The COVID situation has made life miserable for many. We are informed that out of the 250 HIV families, around 170 families are in dire situation. They are unable to earn a living and are unable to feed their families. Even though these families receive government aid in form of free rice and wheat, this is grossly inadequate for them. Therefore, we were proposing we help these 170 families over uh, in South India. Uh, And so basically, the amount of money that they were asking for was uh, $10,000, which is a drop in the bucket for most church uh, budgets. Uh, Even even churches of 50 or 100 people can support. Well, within three days, they were able to get uh, $13,000. So all these needs were met, and we rejoice. Like that, like the Lord provides. May the Lord bless them, uh, and encourage them, and strengthen them. And man, wow. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand. We got the phone lines filling up, so let's go back to the phone line. We're gonna go to Greeley, Colorado. Greeley, Katie, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, thanks. Uh, Pastor, I just had a question. Um, I was going through Romans 1, um, in a, about 18, I believe it starts, where it goes through a whole list of sinful behaviors, and then it says God um, finally turned us over to our own depravity. And then in Revelation, and I don't know where that's at uh, for sure, but it says that he sends a spirit of delusion Um over us. And I just wonder the difference between those two. Okay. Well, I would be careful with the phraseology of us, you know, that he sends well, it to yeah. us okay, because um, because the groups that are being described are apostate. Like these are people that have already made their choice. So right. God is affirming their choice. I guess the best illustration uh, that I can think of biblically is what, what happened with Pharaoh. It's almost like, Pharaoh, mm-hmm. if that's what you want, I'll give mm-hmm. that to you. Mm-hmm. Uh, or in Genesis chapter 6, you know, where the Bible says God will not always strive with man. 
Like he will give you the desire of your heart, even if that is at great personal cost, like even if it breaks relationship. I, I think in a physical realm, the physical realm is is similar where you know you got a rebellious kid, a rebellious kid, you work with them, you work with them, you work with them, and then they come in and give you an ultimatum. If you don't help me this time, I'm leaving. And you say goodbye. And it's heartbreaking and it's challenging, but you give them over to their own depravity. Um, obviously, we don't have the power like God to send a strong delusion, but the reality is is that it doesn't get easier for people that rebel against God. It gets harder. Mm-hmm. So that's how I'd answer that. Okay, so in... So you hear the music. Um, oh, I'm sorry. Okay, I'll catch you another day. Okay, sounds good. Bye-bye. Hey, we'll be right back. This is Calvary Live. Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, welcome back on an open line, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000. My name is Ed Taylor. I cannot believe how fast the first part of today's program went. I'm I'm shocked, but we've got a second half, and we've got an open line, and I see if we don't get some calls through, I've got a few of the, I've got a few text questions to take, so thank you guys so much um, for connecting. It makes the show a lot more fun and enjoyable, and uh, there's always something to learn. I always learn something every show. I'm so encouraged. 303-690-3000. Uh, let's go over to Wes. Is calling from Longmont, Colorado. Wes, welcome to the program. Thank you, Pastor Ed. How are you today? I'm great, Wes. What's up? You just mentioned uh, with the, the I think it was the last caller. You mentioned a teacher by the name of Bear, and I was just oh, wondering, yeah. might that have been Bear Morgan that you were re- referencing? No, it was uh, what was his name? That was his nickname. I but it wasn't Bear Morgan. No. I can't remember oh. his last name, but um, just such a great brother in Southern California. Oh, okay. Do you, do you know who Bear Morgan was? I've never heard of him, no. Oh, yeah. He was a he was an original bad guy. He was an inmate. He was a felon. He was a murderer. He was all kinds of stuff until the Lord got a hold of him while he was in prison and wow. turned him around. Praise God, man. It's like sounds yeah. like Saul of Tarsus. <laughs> Yes, very much. Yes, that's and, awesome. And then when you also said that that Bear and his wife were in heaven, I was yeah. thinking if that if it was Bear Morgan that my family knew, his wife's name was Dove, and I had not heard that hadn't heard anything about her for a while. So just thought no, I'd but check thanks for calling. Sure we needed to to uh, contact their family. All right, brother. Thank you. Thanks, Ed. Bye bye. 303-690-3000. Dave in Conifer, Colorado. Dave, welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Ed. I'm hoping you kind of remember me. I'm the guy who called in last year about prayer over our wood ministry. I remember that. Oh, yeah. Well, you made a donation. I really appreciate that. Um, I'm not calling for a donation today. I'm just calling for prayer over it. Um, okay, great. With everything that's going on, you know, I'm, one of my concerns is that we aren't going to have the volunteers to process the wood that yeah. we need. And, uh that I still have to do fundraising. We're, we're trying to split it up over two weekends to comply with the uh, social distancing and the guidelines from the state and the yes. uh, CDC. But um, 
so yeah, I'm just calling for prayer now because it comes up in September, and uh, I also wanted to follow up and see how your corn gathering went this last year. I was going to tell, I was just going to tell you that um, we we faced some obstacles with the corn gathering this year. Uh, that that the the overseer of it was a little concerned, so we had to rearrange things and did not involve end up involving the with all the restrictions. We did not end up involving the church this year. It was just too much administratively because basically it's a brother uh, that arranges everything, you know, gets at everything. So we didn't end up uh, involving the church this year, but and which was greatly concerning to him because that's a big part of of yeah. his ministry. He loves doing it, loves providing it. But it, without that, through a turn of events, he wasn't even sure if they were going to be able to use everything. But he got every Bruce got everything covered. Everything's great. The Lord provided everything they need uh, in order to get the corn to the food bank of the Rockies. So still, he did it. I know that, you know, when you talk about God providing, uh, we've been doing this for 10 years. I've been a part of it for about five now. And, and each year when we're collecting wood throughout the summer to stage for this, this event, it's amazing how much wood we gather. And we always seem to come down to the end of the year with maybe a cord or a half a cord left. I mean, God always provides exactly <laughs> what we need. And interesting is I'm looking, I'm looking at a wood corral where we stage all this, and there's more wood in it than I've ever seen. So I'm, I'm really anticipating the need to be big this year. And I'm, I'm just praying that God will, you know, use the hands and, uh, then with volunteer service that, uh, to help process it so we can keep families warm this winter. You bet. Let's pray. Thanks. Father, we pray, God, for you know the provision that's needed for this this opportunity with firewood, God. And, and so many people, uh, we, we live with such great excess and we live with such great blessing that we forget so many people don't. So we just pray for your provision over this ministry. We pray, God, for your provision to uh, make all the resources that you would supply all of their needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, brother. Okay, man. Yo, I know your call back with the results. Yes, I will. All right, thanks. We, we helped 125 families with, uh, over, I think it was 128 cords of wood. So. Unbelievable. That's so cool. Yeah. And it grows every year. Yes. Now you have a great day now. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, 303-690-3000. I remember that. It was, uh, it was a great need met by a great God, and one family at a time. I know that the media uh, puts out bad news after bad news after bad news because there's plenty of bad news to go around, no doubt. Uh, however, uh, the, the ratio of good news to bad news far outweighs it. There's so much more good being done in the name of Jesus Christ, from your local churches and your community, don't you believe for a moment that it's the church's fault that COVID spreads or churches aren't good for their community? I, I remember we were uh, looking to build this building, and there are people actually opposing us putting a building here on the property. And, and they suggested that churches don't aid the community. They suggested that churches don't, and of course you realize that the, what they're really saying is, is that churches don't pay taxes, which you realize is not true. Every working, hardworking man, woman, and even kids that are working legally pay their taxes. What do you mean the church doesn't pay their taxes? Of course the church pay. The church is... Wait till the rapture happens. 
wait till the rapture happens, but don't. Be a believer. Don't wait till the rapture happens. You're listening right now, and you go, yeah, I don't think churches do. It's only traffic and people and too much. No, no, no. You know, here's a brother that calls and says, look, we, I invest a lot of my time to make sure 125 families have firewood for the winter. Not the people that have firewood, the people that don't have firewood. Or Guna, this unknown saint that's going to be <clears throat> up at the front of the line at the Bema seat. Ministering to 250 HIV families. 170 of them cannot live on the rice and the wheat that the government gives to them. So what happens? God raises up a man. And that man says, I, I care for these people, but I don't have anything. And we, we've we met Guna. He is a very frugal... Um, when he says he doesn't have anything, he means it. it everything he has comes for, to him and through him. And he says, I, I'm, I've been put on this planet to help. And I'm going to help. And he asked for help through Calvary Chapel Boise and 170 families in India. That, those are stuff I want to be a part of. That's the stuff our church wants to be a part of. That we're privileged to be a part of. 303-690. Okay, um, Dave... You just called in. If you didn't hang up, would you email me? I just received an email that says, what is the name of the organization and contact info that's in need of wood? So would you please contact me? I've got a sister that I want to forward you an email <clears throat> that just came in. So give me, uh, Dave, uh, email me, ed at edtaylor.org. And give me a call, 303 303-690-3000 is the number. Uh, let's see who's next. Let me get back to my call screen. And my call screen is Cherie. On line one is in Aurora. Cherie, welcome to the program. Hey, Pastor Ed. Hey, what's up? I have a quick question. Great. So I'm a member there at Calvary Aurora, and I know in the past, um, you have taught from the King James Version Bible, and I've noticed recently that you have been teaching from the New Living Translation Bible. Yes. And I would like to know um, why you prefer the New Living or what that change was. That's a great question, but I'm going to take a real shot in the dark and, and think and ask, is this Cherie that's going through cancer treatment? Yes, it is. How's the progress? Because I saw, did you see the picture? Uh, recently, we posted a picture of you seeking the Lord. And I'm like, man, I uh, wonder how her treatment's doing, because you're always sitting on the other side of the room. So how are you doing? I am doing well. I am, I'm just so blessed. I'm so thankful. I'm full of joy. Um, I claim the victory. I am healed. And, you know, I'm just continuing my journey, Good. and uh, I'm just walking in victory and walking Good. in faith, so I'm just thankful. And you're staying you're staying strong emotionally, physically, healthy. Are you in the midst of treatments right now? Um, no, not anymore, okay. but um, I just had a bone marrow biopsy done okay. on Friday, and I'll get the results from that to okay. confirm how the treatment's went and how my body responded to it. We'll be praying for that. 
praying for your you. body to be strengthened. So, so the New Living Translation, I felt I was praying uh, before we started the book of Daniel, just praying for a freshness in our church, you know, wanting to, um, wanting to bring uh, freshness. And I, I use the NLT, and I have been using the NLT since I started. So we normally use the New King James, right? I use the New King James on the mm-hmm. weekends. I've been using the same version. As a matter of fact, the version I use, the one I carry, uh, has been updated a couple times. So when people are using the Bibles in the back of the chairs, uh, my words are sometimes different from those words because I have an older version. Uh, but but because God has been blessing me and encouraged me in the NLT and and it uh, in our, my own personal devotions and and since I use it while I'm studying, I really felt like the Lord wanted me to try to use the NLT to teach through a book of the Bible verse by verse. And I made a commitment. Uh, I said it out loud before the church that I'm going to use the NLT for the, for the book of Daniel on Wednesday nights and just to see what the Lord wants to do. Maybe he wants me to change. Maybe he doesn't want me to change. And I can tell you after a couple of weeks, I didn't like it at all because um, mm-hmm. it's so different. Uh, it I, I've memorized scriptures in the New King James, so... The way it presented is different. So on a, on a purely personal level, I wasn't liking it. But I made the commitment, so I kept the commitment. And the longer I did it, the more it caused me to stop and pause and think and reread and deep, dig deeper. And I'm liking it. And the language of the NLT is a lot more relatable to the language of 2020. And, and so I wanted to test it out. I'm still debating if I'm going to do First Peter or not. Um, I'm praying about it. I haven't got an answer yet, but I wanted to, because whenever a new believer um, responds, we like to give them a Bible that's easy to understand and relatable and accurate to the mm-hmm. original text. And so the NLT is the Bible we recommend. And I thought, man, uh, I wonder if it's time for a change. And I'm not quite sure I'm going to completely change over personally, but anybody that uses it, I say, go for it. Yeah. Well, I just need to update myself and get an NLT, too. <laughs> well, if you, next time you're at church, we'll give you one. We'll just pull one out of the back room and just ask for it. We'll get you one. You don't have to buy it. Oh, right on. Thank you. All right. Well, God bless Thanks you, Sheree. To, uh, make sure you um, text me or call and let me know how the test went. Email I will. Me. Okay, thank you. Uh-huh. Bye. Bye-bye. 303-690-3000. Dave, we got another text. Um a uh, brother has a lot of property, and he wants to connect with you for wood. So I don't know if that's what you need. Um, uh, so we got two requests, Dave. I hope you didn't hang up that connect with you. Maybe some resources, at least the very least prayer partners. But they've got stuff they want to help you with. This dude wants to give you his uh, property. What? Actually, not give you the property, but... <laughs> let you use his wood or whatever. I don't know. Go in and cut it. Paul Bunyan is parts of his property. That's pretty cool. 303-690-3000. Who's next? Next is Nicole in Fort Collins. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thanks You're welcome. Taking my call. You're welcome. Um, I have a question about Calvinism, okay. and um, I am currently checking out a newer church to me, and um, I don't know if that should be a kind of a non-negotiable type um, situation when you're looking into new churches or new beliefs? Well, uh, my personal opinion is it is a non-negotiable, and I would not want, I would not recommend a hyper-Calvinist church, although a lot of my friends 
do hold to some tenets of Calvinism. Uh, there are some churches that would be Calvinistic that actually teach Calvinism as if it's the Bible, and Calvinism right. is not the Bible. So it really depends. You know, I think you know one of my favorite theologians, uh, modern day theologians, Norm Geisler. Uh, he 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 purports he asked the question would would Calvin be a five point Calvinist if he was alive today and 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 you know Geisler would consider him he's in heaven now but he would consider himself a three point Calvinist I think but I, I think it's a very important I think it's a very important decision that you need to make because if mm-hmm. depending on the level on the commitment to Calvinism they make you might hear more Calvinism than the Bible and it's just the facts so it just really depends on on where they are. Are they part of the new Calvinists? Are they old school, hardcore reformed Calvinists? You know, do they just dabble in the doctrines of grace? I mean, it's just... Yeah, I think that they're leaning towards reformed Calvinism. Um, And so it's a subject that's kind of newer to me. Yes. Um, And so I've been kind of trying to do some research, but trying to weigh the differences. Um, I, I don't fully subscribe to what they believe, but like I said, it, I just didn't know how far it went into their doctrine and their teaching, I guess. Well, I do think that that's a great statement you just made. When you say, I don't subscribe to what they believe, you should have paused there and stopped there with a mm-hmm. period and not a but, because if you if you already have come to a theological conclu- conclusion um, mm-hmm. that excludes Calvinism, then it wouldn't be very edifying for you uh, to attend that church, right? Because we say the same thing here. We were talking about this this morning. Like a lot of people have a hard time with Calvary, Calvary Chapel, because we're neither Calvinists or Arminius, and people want us to be one or the other, but we're not. And if somebody comes here, and we, it's so vital here, like it's so important here that we put it in our statement of faith. We want people to know because it only applies to people that care, which aren't many people about about this question, but it would be for you. Mm-hmm. Like if you're reading through our doctrine, what we believe about God, what we believe about the Holy Spirit, what we believe, you're going to get finally to what to this statement. So I'm going to look it up for you so I can read it to you. This is how important we think it is um, because I've seen hyper-Calvinism wreck people, just absolutely mm-hmm. destroy them. Um, and it's not because the people are necessarily wicked or evil. They're not. They just are um, really... Um, hung up on their theology. It's almost like it's like anything. Anything can take the place of God. In their case, it, it is uh, theology, and you know the Bible sure. predated Calvin. So um, right. I want to go beyond that. So let me see. It says, um, let's see, what number is it? One, two, three. Practical beliefs. I think it is. He rearranged it. Look, I like the way it's organized, but I'm not used to seeing it this way. So we, you know, okay, so here's, it's point number nine in our statement of faith. We are neither five-point Calvinists, nor are we Arminians. We adhere firmly to the biblical teaching of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility, and we avoid any theological systems of belief that go beyond the written word and therefore divide the body of Christ. And that's how important I think it is as pastor and our elders here that you, anybody visiting here just knows we're not going there. We're not going to take extremes. We're going to stick to the Bible and not a system of theology. Yeah. Um, okay. Even though, I appreciate that. just for the Calvinists that are mad at me right now, it's not like we don't have a system of theology. 
we just don't adhere to that system. And and I would encourage you, if you want more info, email me. Um, I've got a few mm-hmm. things um, saved to give you a point of view on why I believe what I believe, so I'm not just making it up. Yeah, no, I would love that. If that, I would love to be able to do that. So email me at ed at edtaylor.org and just remind me. Make sure it's .org, otherwise you'll send it to Santa Claus. Um, oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, email before, me, yeah. remind me, and I'll, I'll I'll turn it around and send you a couple things that you can that you can consider. Okay, that would be great. Thank you very much. You're welcome. Bye bye. I appreciate your time. Bye bye. Three zero three six nine zero three thousand is the number. Uh, let's see here. Get back to the program, and we're gonna go to. I see the lights flashing, but I don't see any more names up here. So I'll wait. 303-690-3000. Let's see here. Uh, Let's see here. Where are we? I'm going to go to text. Sorry about that, guys. So let's see what we got here. Okay, that's not. Hello, Pastor Taylor. I want to know if we need baptism to enter heaven. No. My best friend is Catholic. Can you please explain? Uh, water baptism is something that a believer does. And it is commanded by Jesus. So that if you're not water baptized because you are purposely disobeying Jesus Christ, I have great concerns about whether you're saved or not. But if the circumstances of your life have you in a position where you have not been water baptized yet, Water baptism is not a work of righteousness. And so it is not something that is done to save a person. It's something that a saved person does. And in the Roman Catholic, uh, the, the Romanism, the Roman Catholic Church, they have a system of religion that you must follow. A, they call it a sacramental system. And because Roman Catholicism is a works-based religion, one that never gives you the assurance of your salvation, does not support the sufficiency of the blood of Jesus Christ, believes through the participation of the Mass that Jesus is re-crucified every week by the priest. They teach you have to be water baptized. And you can't just be water baptized anywhere. You have to be water baptized in a Roman Catholic Church. So their teachings are not following the Scriptures, the Bible. The Bible couldn't be more clear. Go to our website, go to our app, and in our messages section, just search the word water baptism, that phrase, and you can hear a a Bible study through the Bible on that topic. 303-690-3000 is the number. 303-690-3000. I think that we may have someone online too. Is this Chris in Fort Collins? It is not Chris. So I'm on line two. Do you hear me? Did you hear the button click? Uh, all right. Give me a call. 303-690-3000. Taking your calls. Taking your questions. We're going to be back tonight for Bible study here at Calvary Church. We're finishing up Daniel tonight, a little differently, but we're finishing up Daniel tonight. I want you to, um, I'm asking you specifically to pray for me. 
uh, tomorrow for Calvary Live, I have a special guest, uh, Pastor Miles McPherson. Uh, he'll be calling in from San Diego, and we're going to be talking about racial tensions, racial reconciliation, and the, the format um, of our discussion will follow along the book called The Third Option. That's our pick of the month. Um, that's, our, that's our pick of the month. <clears throat> and uh, we look forward to um, pray for me. I don't want to blow it. I want to do it. I want to do a good job. Um, I want to be able to uh, uh, represent the Lord well, uh, and I want I want to make sure you guys hear from. Um, I want I want to make sure you guys hear <clears throat> from Pastor Miles. You got to hear his message. Um, you've you've got to. You've got to tune in. I think the Lord will use this uh, in your life in a wonderful way. Um, so pray for me, would you? I want to do the interview well, um, and I, I, I really want to bring his voice to our city. And um, I'm just grateful that, that he would make the time uh, to talk to us. That, that just tells you how much he loves the Lord, uh, and that just tells you how much uh, he's willing to invest in our own city here um, with the, the breadth of ministry that God has called him to do. So pray for me, would you? 303-690-3000. Chris, welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank You're you. welcome. Uh, yeah, I had a question. If you could explain uh, the passage concerning uh, Melchizedek, yes. how it refers I understand there is a real person by that name, and also uh, Jesus was of the order of Melchizedek. Yeah, you know, they there are a couple different views of who this person was. Um, was he a human being? Uh, was he a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ? Uh, that really is where, um, you know, where things line up. Um, uh, according to Genesis chapter 14, you know, that's where we're introduced. He's known as Melchizedek, the king of Salem, which Salem would be peace, you know, that um, a word, the Hebrew word for peace, um, a form of shalom, brought out bread and wine. Bread and wine, speaking of communion later on in the New Covenant. He was the priest of the Most High God. Jesus being called a high priest, now a priest according to the order of Melchizedek, he prayed, he blessed him and said, blessed Abraham, and, and, and Abraham gives him a tithe. Um, some have, you know, the, the two views is Melchizedek being an appearance of Jesus Christ, um, and others believe he's a human being, and so there's, you know, there's debate on it, um, and it could be either or. Uh, I am looking... Um, I am looking at my teaching on Melchizedek because I forget how I put it. So I'm going to look it up because my mind is not working like it normally would. So let me look up my study because I covered this. That's one of the neat things about teaching through the Bible verse by verse. Um, you know, you've got to cover every single issue. Um, uh, it says uh, in my notes I have Melchizedek's mentioned three times in the Bible. Um, Genesis 14, thousand years later in Psalm 110, and now here. His name means king of righteousness, king of peace. He's the priest of the Most High God. 
Um, this is all before the law, uh, and um, I don't address it. I don't remember not addressing it. Um, I think I put the two, two points out and had people make up their own mind. Um, now, Kazadik's ministry is maintaining, um, you know, the idea of uh, being pointed to Jesus Christ in his life, whether he was a human as the literal king or a pre-incarnate. Um, you, have, you, you have two basic, basically what's being taught in Hebrews 7 is you have two basic lineages for priesthood. You could take the Arianic priesthood, which would be the law, and the Melchizedek priesthood, which would bring uh, grace. And um, people have to weigh the facts of who he is and, and whether he was really a pre-incarnate appearance of Jesus Christ. Um, it seems that he wouldn't be because he is Jesus is used distinctive Melchizedek and given a priesthood according to so if you just took the grammar there, it would seem that he was a literal king that was a type and a picture of Jesus to come. That's all our time. I can't believe it. Wow. Thanks for calling. Bye-bye. We'll be here at 7 o'clock. I can't believe the time. It went right by us. Um, may the Lord encourage you as you battle Melchizedek and what the Lord has for you. But anything, look to Jesus. Come on out. Go to calvaryco.church. But we're in person. So come on out. We want you to worship with us, be encouraged, be strengthened. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's Word.